This is Public Health Speaks. I'm Robert Jennings. On this episode, as our nation starts to see a significant downward trend in COVID-19 infections and a reopening of our social and economic way of life, public health communication experts are now beginning to assess the effectiveness of current crisis and risk communication messaging efforts. Welcome to Public Health Speaks, a broadcast series brought to you by the National Public Health Information Coalition. With each episode, we explore the successes and challenges in public health messaging and ways to tackle the most pressing communication issues facing state and local jurisdictions and our nation. In this second of a two-part episode, we peek into the trenches of the COVID-19 response with a communications professional who leads the state of Minnesota's public health messaging efforts. His unique insight into the challenges presented by this pandemic brings into clear focus what is needed to build resiliency in our public health agencies and to ensure future crisis and risk communication success. Joining me today is Michael Schomer, Communications Director with the Minnesota Department of Health. Michael has been in his role for more than eight years, and like many other state and local communications professionals, he has been on the front line since day one responding to the COVID-19 pandemic. Thank you for joining me, Michael. Well, thank you, Robert. So, as I mentioned, for more than a year, public health communicators have been on the front lines of our nation's response to COVID-19. In many situations, they are the primary spokesperson and public face of the organization. How are you and your colleagues holding up under the intense pressures of the job? Well, Robert, you're absolutely right. It's been an intense grind over the last year plus. I can't say enough about the stamina and the commitment I've seen from my colleagues, not only at the Minnesota Department of Health, but in local public health agencies and at the national level and in other jurisdictions around the country. It's really been inspiring to see the commitment and how that sustained people over a duration of something I think many of us would never have expected. I do think it's it's important to acknowledge that this is taking a toll. I think it's not only the hours, the emotional burden, the work, so much stress. There's a lot going on. And we know in public health, of course, that there's a cost that we all pay for that. And I think it's important that we look to do whatever we can to tend to our own mental health and our own well-being. I think it's a common issue sometimes for people to, those who are helpers, to really prioritize the needs of others and maybe sometimes not do as much self-care. I think you know what we've tried to do at the health department in Minnesota is really, at least within the team that I'm working with, try to emphasize that if people need a day or if they need a few days, try to share that burden, make sure people have what they need in terms of support, both within the team and then also giving them the time that they need to reconnect with their family or, or whatever they might have going on. You know, just looking out for each other. I think having that sort of connection and backing each other up and and having a sense of of we're all in this together, that has helped. But there's no denying that this has had a cost. So you have had a unique challenge in your state responding to the pandemic, as well as to the civil unrest occurring at the same time in the streets of Minneapolis with the death of George Floyd. What were some of the communication strategies your state used to effectively respond to that dual crisis? Amid the pandemic response, you know, when you have a year, what, almost a year and a half now of a pandemic, we know that other things were going to come up and that you needed to be able to respond to multiple things. I don't think, you know, any of us would have 
foreseen things going quite the way they did in our jurisdiction or in a lot of other places. I think one of the most important things that we've seen is the ability to bring in outside help and not to try to just handle everything with the existing staffing or the existing resources that you may have had. One of the things that we have done in Minnesota is it used other parts of the state government, other parts of the sort of the partner organizations that we have normally working with us all the time to try to bring them in to kind of expand the team and add people to help with different parts of the response especially last spring and summer with a lot of what was going on, it really helped to be able to expand and have other people focused on sort of the day-to-day response on the public safety side, on the equity side, and really specializing in that area. But then also working with those of us who were still, you know, front and center focused on the COVID response. Because, you know, if we were going to, for example, do a media briefing at this time last year, you really needed to make sure that you were acknowledging and speaking to some of what was going on in those other spaces. And I think that's been a big part of it is having that ability to have people and a team of people focused on each of the issues while still connecting with those who are responding to the other parts of the various crises at hand and and having that sort of specialization, but uh, collaboration mix, I think has helped us. Certainly, there are a lot of things that go back and say, well, you know, in the future, there's a lot of lessons learned. We want to make sure that we draw those right lessons uh, during the response. But I, I think that sort of that mix of specialization and collaboration has helped us. So you've talked about some of the challenging parts of the response, but what areas have been a surprising success? I will say one area that I've been really pleased and surprised at how smoothly things have gone is in the idea of having a team of people and really an entire agency worth of people who had previously largely been working within the office, having them all work remote and still in the really intense, demanding environment, be able to effectively get things done. I really have to struggle to think over the last year, have there been times where, you know, there was a real problem because we were working remotely? And I just think, obviously, there's some collaboration, some sort of informal conversations that you miss when you're working remotely. But I've been really impressed to see how largely we have not missed a beat working remotely. I think people have really stepped up and recognized when it's time to call somebody, when it's time to connect, you know, off of a Teams call or a Zoom call, and just have those different ways of connecting and communicating with different parts of the team. Sure, there are some things in terms of information flow across teams that we might want to improve, but I think it's been inspiring to see how well and how professional the response has been, given that sort of additional issue that none of us really had a lot of experience in. You know, in terms of many of us have worked a day or so here or there remotely out of the office. But for something this long, this sustained and this intense, I think it's been a surprising success. Well, that's encouraging news. And this is said to be the first pandemic of its kind in the age of social media, cell phones, and instant access to information anywhere in the world. We are now said to be in the middle of an infodemic. How has that complicated the work of public health communicators and what can be done about it? Even before the pandemic, well before the pandemic, back in 2018, 2019, we were talking about information as a core product of our department. And how do you make sure that you're producing it, providing it in a way that is not only accurate and useful, but also accessible to people, making sure that all of our stakeholders know where to go for information, 
you know, that we have good systems for sharing it, for tracking it, for compiling it. That's a big challenge. And the more capability we have through our technology to gather information and to assess it, I think that's a a big question. So I think part of what you're asking is how do we as communicators deal with not only the new capabilities that we have and the, the reality that we have more information to share and we're able to, you know, compile more information about what we're seeing and trends and all that, but also how do you deal with sort of those competing efforts to perhaps develop information and like you said, misinformation and disinformation. I think part of it is to continue that work that we had first started with 2018 and 2019, making sure that the public health information that we are pulling together is as relevant and accessible as possible. That's one thing that I think many of us who are public health communicators have long struggled with is the idea of how do you take what can be very complex and nuanced information. So I think part of the answer to how do you deal with misinformation and disinformation is to be as good as possible about producing information that is relevant, accessible, timely, and you know just making sure that people understand where they can go for it and being available to help as people have questions about it. There are lots of challenges, obviously, that go with that, but I think there's a lot of attention being paid to the challenges, but I think there are some real successes that we can build on in how information has flown during the pandemic, how it's gotten out public information, I think, from health departments is still fairly well-respected. I mean, we do hear a lot about declining trust in institutions and in government, but I think overall, there's still a very large portion of our society that does want good information from us and is very interested in that. So the more we can do to get that to them in a format that's useful and relevant, I think that will help a lot. So speaking of adapting, I know you and many of our listeners are well aware of the long-standing emergency and risk communication principles. In your opinion, do we have to transform those or adapt those principles to this new transformed environment? I think the core principles have held up really well in terms of how people process information, what things we need to look out for, what are some of the foundational aspects of risk communication. We've seen a lot of that bear out over the course of the pandemic. In terms of how we evolve it, I think it's not so much the core principles, perhaps, that need to evolve, but how we translate that, like I said, into giving people information that's accessible. And to me, the conversation, like I said, isn't so much about you know the core principles, because I think the core principles are based on some fairly sound psychological and sociological principles and communications research and how people process information. I do think that it's up to all of us to figure out within our own contexts of our jurisdictions, how do we take that really good core understanding of how information is processed and used and retained and to some degree, sometimes not used, how do you take those insights and translate them into something that works in your area? I think there will be challenges ahead especially in terms of competing narratives and misinformation, disinformation. One of the really important things, I think, is for us to maintain that credibility and build our the public health brand, if you want to think of it that way. And I think doing good work and providing that information and context in an accessible, relevant way will do us good in the long term in this area. Well, very good, Michael. And thank you for providing your insights today. And thank you for joining me. Thank you. Nice to be here, Robert. Thanks for listening to Public Health Speaks. 
Please join us next time as we continue to address important and timely issues relevant to public health communicators. If you like the show, please share it with your colleagues. And if you have comments or questions, we'd like to hear from you. Email us at info at nific.org. That's info at nphic.org. This show is a production of the National Public Health Information Coalition. For Public Health Speaks, I'm Robert Jennings. Stay safe and be healthy.